KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, April 21st. We know about the physical wall at the U.S.-Mexico border, but did you know there's a virtual wall too? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. An amendment to the contract San Diego has with its ambulance provider. FELC will be discussed today at the City Council's Public Safety Committee meeting. The amendment proposes that FELC subcontract with another ambulance provider to speed up response times. It has previously been fined by the city for not meeting response time goals. San Diego Fire Rescue officials have said there have been times when no paramedic ambulances are available for 911 calls. The company has blamed this on staffing issues. This weekend might be a good one to go to the beach. That's because warm weather is expected today and through the weekend. Coastal communities will see temperatures in the high 70s today, while East County could get up to the high 80s and desert communities will see temps in the 90s. It'll start to cool down Sunday along the coast. Communities further inland will see lower temperatures on Monday and Tuesday. A deer mouse near Boulevard tested positive for hantavirus. Hantavirus can be deadly in humans. Catching the virus is rare. However, it can be contracted from exposure to rodent droppings and saliva. If you find rodents in your home, County officials recommend cleaning with a sponge or mop that's been soaked in disinfectant. Don't vacuum or sweep droppings. Prevent hantavirus exposure by sealing external holes in homes and getting rid of rodent infestations. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Democrats and Republicans remain split over the construction of a physical border wall, but there is bipartisan consensus to build a virtual border wall. Border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with experts who say the virtual option isn't necessarily more humane or effective. The border wall has been at the center of America's immigration debate ever since Donald Trump made it the centerpiece of his 2016 presidential campaign. We're going to build a wall. It's going to be built. But there's another border wall, a virtual wall, and it's received much less attention. It's a mass network of nearly 300 surveillance cameras, motion sensors, and military-grade drones, all spread across the border. They're very hard to find and aren't always in the places you'd expect. There are several cameras right next to the border in San Isidro, but there are also surveillance towers in residential neighborhoods and public parks, and even one near the Del Mar Dog Beach, 32 miles north of the actual border. Until a month ago, the exact location of these towers was a complete mystery. But nobody really had a good sense of where these towers were. Dave Moss is the Director of Investigations at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. 
He spent months mapping them out, and the result is the most comprehensive map of surveillance infrastructure along the U.S.-Mexico border. Moss says that the scope of this technology raises serious privacy concerns. In the imagination of people in D.C. and in people in the national media, the border is just this desert wasteland. And then the only people you would ever encounter out in the, in, along the border are human traffickers and cartels and smugglers. Now, folks in San Diego know that's not true. People live near the border. And those people are in a constant state of surveillance. And these towers can sometimes see up to like 7.5 miles. That is a lot of people's lives that they could pry into. And CPP really hasn't earned the trust of members of the community here. Customs and Border Protection says that these towers give agents in the field a significant leg up against criminal networks. They're an essential part of border security. And on this issue, there's agreement on both sides of the political aisle. In 2019, Democrats promoted the idea of virtual borders as a more humane alternative to Trump's border wall. Here is San Diego Congressman Scott Peters describing the virtual wall. It might be sensors and radar to spot moving people and objects in any weather or any time of day. It might be cameras mounted on drones to surveil places where the terrain is tough to monitor. Peters did not respond to an interview request for this story. Despite the bipartisan support, experts say that these towers result in more migrant deaths. And they do nothing to prevent the most common method of drug smuggling. Sam Chambers is a researcher at the University of Arizona. He studies how border infrastructure contributes to migrant deaths. People moving around out of sight of these towers means they're taking longer journeys. And by taking longer journeys, they put themselves at risk of multiple health issues like kidney damage or dehydration or a heat stroke. So it's making the journey more dangerous and greater risk of dying. Victor Clark Alfaro has been researching human and drug smuggling along the border since the late 1980s. When it comes to drugs, the federal government's own data shows that most enter the U.S. through legal border crossings. Clark Alfaro says that putting up surveillance towers in remote parts of the desert isn't going to stop that. In the case of the drugs, Bueno, sabemos que uno de los lugares donde más drogas se cruza es el puerto de entrada de San Isidro a Estados Unidos. Bueno, ahí las torres no funcionan absolutamente para nada. Clark Alfaro says it's really just a numbers game, and the numbers are stacked up against Customs and Border Protection, especially in San Isidro. Somewhere between 50 and 70,000 vehicles cross that port of entry every single day, and CBP agents only have the capacity to send a fraction of them to secondary inspection. Clark Alfaro says the volume is just too overwhelming. Pero el volumen es enorme, y eso representa una puerta de oportunidades. Moss wants the virtual map that the Electronic Frontier Foundation created to lead to more informed policymaking on border enforcement. Hopefully by putting this map out there, people can evaluate and say, hey, I didn't know this was going in near my house. And we'll give people the opportunity to start asking questions about it. Or at the very least, let people know who's watching them. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. California's status as a safe haven for reproductive rights could be undermined today, depending on how the U.S. Supreme Court rules on access to a commonly used abortion drug. Investigative reporter Amitha Sharma says the pending decision has patients, doctors, and state officials on edge. 
Earlier this month, a federal judge in Texas ruled that the FDA's approval of mefepristone, a drug used in half of all abortions in the United States, be suspended. The issue is now before the Supreme Court. The justices will decide whether access to the drug should stay as is, be somewhat restricted or banned. I want to be clear that what we're talking about now are motions or petitions to stay the FDA's current rules. Former San Diego U.S. Attorney Carol Lamb emphasized whichever stay the high court upholds, its ruling is temporary. They are not necessarily decisions on the merits of the case, although whether you grant a stay or you don't grant a stay could in effect be a decision on the merits um, for the time being. Lamb believes the Supreme Court will likely choose the middle road by upholding a stay from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal in Louisiana that came after the Texas ruling. That ruling preserves access to mefepristone with certain limits. It says only doctors, not nurse practitioners or physician's assistants, can prescribe mefepristone. And it rolls back use of the drug from the first 10 weeks of pregnancy to seven. That is probably what the Supreme Court is going to rule on. They're going to say we either agree with the Fifth Circuit or we don't agree with the Fifth Circuit. But if the justices side with the Texas judge, the high court would be on a collision course with California. For decades, mifepristone has been a safe and reliable lifeline for so many. Safer than Tylenol. Safer than a colonoscopy. Safer than having your wisdom tooth removed safer than Viagra. That's California Attorney General Rob Bonta seeking to reassure Californians earlier this week. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year, the state has been a leader nationwide in defending abortion rights. We are and will continue to be a safe haven for reproductive freedom. You can count on California. But what does that really mean? Governor Gavin Newsom says he will not defy the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling if it upholds the Texas decision. I believe in the rule of law. The other side often doesn't. But California is pursuing actions on the policy front. That includes clarifying state laws that protect pharmacists and shielding people's private health information from federal law enforcement. As for legal strategy for challenging an adverse Supreme Court ruling, Newsom would only say... Don't think for a second we don't have more ideas. And please don't think for a second I'm going to say anything more uh, about it. But we are a creative bunch. Meanwhile, Northern California abortion care doctor Christine Hanneberg says the stay on the use of mefepristone has created anxiety and uncertainty among healthcare providers and patients. Fear and confusion. What can I do? What can I not do? Am I going to be personally criminally prosecuted? Am I going to lose my license? Is someone going to come after me for traveling out of state to obtain this medication? Where is it legal? Where is it not legal? Where is it available? The Supreme Court's self-imposed deadline to rule is 11.59 p.m. tomorrow. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News. Money is coming to help get families online in San Diego. The San Diego Housing Commission announced yesterday that it is getting a $230,000 grant from the FCC. 
The money will be spent on outreach and to help people apply for the Affordable Connectivity Program. Jeffrey Starks is a commissioner for the FCC. He said one benefit is a $30 discount on monthly internet bills. Which for many means that their internet connection is free. If you participate in any federal low-income program, including federal housing assistance, you are eligible. Commissioner Stark says more than 400,000 San Diego households qualify. The program also helps pay for devices like tablets and laptops. Coming up, celebrating Chicano Park, Mother Earth, and Shakespeare's birthday this weekend. We'll have that story and more just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Yesterday was 420. For millions of cannabis users, it's the unofficial day when marijuana is celebrated. In Chula Vista, a new dispensary described as Upscale just opened. Reporter John Carroll went to check it out. The feel inside Urban Joy, spelled Herb, H-E-R-B, the letter N, Joy, is more like a fancy boutique or an Apple store. There's a huge video screen on one wall, and scattered throughout the place are little glass domes with marijuana buds under little spotlights with tablets around them from which you can order your weed. That's the fun part. But co-owner Jeff Linden says the process of getting a license from the city of Chula Vista was long and competitive. He says he and his co-owners were initially given a license, but then another operator appealed the decision and the city sided with them. Linden says he then appealed that ruling. And that took a, took a while, but in the end the city got it right. Right for Linden because he ended up getting the license, but the whole process took more than two years. John Carroll. KPBS News. San Diego is celebrating Chicano Park Day and Shakespeare's 459th birthday this weekend. Midday Edition host Jade Heidman spoke with arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans about those celebrations. Chicano Park's been around 53 years. There's an upcoming celebration. Uh, when is it and what can we expect? 
Yeah, this is on Saturday, and this is put on every year by the Chicano Park Steering Committee. But this is actually their first in-person event since since before the pandemic. So it's been years since everybody's gotten together at Chicano Park to celebrate this. Um, it kind of centers around at noon. There is a flag raising ceremony. Everything else stops at the festival because this is a symbol of of kind of the passing on of the park and the activism to those younger generations. Because the raising of a flag was one of the very first thing those activists did in the 1970s. They had occupied this land to stop construction equipment. And after 12 days of this, the city agreed to buy the area, buy the land, and designate it as a park. Um, And then, of course, all of those murals began on the freeway pillars. And so this Chicano Park Day is really a celebration of that history and this ongoing activism, this ongoing community. The theme this year is kindling the new fire for their 53rd year. There's going to be three stages, dozens of musicians and DJs, poetry readings, traditional dancers and and speakers as well. You'll find Aztec indigenous dance, cumbia, Latin jazz, rock, hip hop, folklorico, um, Bill Caballero. DJ Betty Bangs, uh, Latin alternative R&B duo Ruby Clouds is also playing. This is their Eyes of Love song we're playing right now. And along with the music and and all of the performances, there's going to be hundreds of lowriders and classic cars and, and a car show. And it'll also be the first time they've had a Chicano Park Day event while the Chicano Park Museum and Cultural Center has been open. So you have to get tickets to go in the museum. Adults are $10 and youth 18 and under are free. But otherwise, the main event is is totally free. And it all starts at 9.50 in the morning with an opening blessing at the kiosco, which is that red and green painted stage and gazebo. And the whole thing runs until 5 p.m. And I know a lot of uh, work went into to putting that museum together. Um, sounds like a great event and something everyone can look forward to. Uh, it's also Shakespeare's birthday, and the Old Globe always has a big party. So what's going on this year, and how can we join in on the festivities? Yeah, this is 11 to 1.30 on Saturday, and it's at that outdoor plaza that's right outside of the Old Globe in Balboa Park. It's a free event. It's one of their Access Community Arts Engagement programs. They have cupcakes for everyone and a birthday sing-along. There'll be tons of fun stuff you can join in on, like a Renaissance dance workshop. You can watch a fight choreography demonstration. In the past, they've done sword fighting. And there'll be a little workshop with some of their fight experts. Um, and that's all outside of the, the, the old globe. And so will there be any actual Shakespeare plays? There will, sort of. They're doing a, a puppet show with a telenovela version of a, of a Twelfth Night scene. Last year, the puppeteers did a kind of wrestling match version of a, of a War of the Roses scene. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. And the cast of the 19th will do some sonnets. Uh, the 19th is currently on stage and it is closing soon. And they'll also have other monologues and scenes from Shakespeare's plays, Beatles. It's going to be a lot of fun. That was arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans speaking with Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. 
You can find details on all these and more or sign up for Julia's weekly arts newsletter at kpbs.org arts. Earth Day is also this weekend. One way to celebrate Mother Earth is to register for the annual Creek to Bay cleanup. Creek to Bay takes place on Saturday with various cleanup sites throughout the county. Visit cleansd.org to see a map of the areas. It was founded in 2002 by I Love a Clean San Diego. Organizers say it is one of the largest single-day environmental action events in the county. That's it for the podcast today. KPBSers Lara McCaffrey and Matt Hoffman produced the podcast this week with the help of senior producer Brooke Ruth. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.